podcasting from Chico, California, tucked in between some of Northern California's best freshwater fisheries. This is the Barbless Podcast, a podcast about NorCal fly fishing, guiding, fisheries management, and sustainability. If you have ideas or any questions for the show, leave the guys a voice message on the Barbless Podcast hotline, area code 530-636-2523. Also check out http colon slash slash podcast.barbless.co, where you can download past episodes and show notes. Be sure to follow them on Instagram at barbless.co and connect with them on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash barbless.co. Here's your hosts, Chad Alderson and Nick Hanna. Fish on. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, episode 53, 55. If we edit it in that order. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Barbless Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Nick Hanna. I'm here with uh, Chad and Lucas. Lucas, what's happening? What's happening, man? How you doing? Good. How are you? Doing well. Lucas is uh, with Meat Market Flies. He's one of the co-founders. Uh, also, a biologist? Do I call it? Are you a biologist? Yeah, I'm like an entry-level Entry. biologist. I'm really a grunt. Technically, my title is Scientific Aid. And it is as glamorous as it sounds. And fly fishing bum. Oh, yeah. Big time. Welcome. Thank you. (laughs) So uh, you just came back from a trip from uh, Australia, right? Yeah, I just came back from Australia not that long ago. My wife and I went on our honeymoon there. Uh, We were in far north Queensland in Cairns, and it was a great time. Nice. Uh, no black mambas. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. I was no, looking no for crocs. Them. No, no. Oh, great, there were a shitload of whites. crocs. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. Tip <laughs> cuss jar. Yeah. <laughs> One dollar. <laughs> sorry, sensitive listeners. <laughs> a lot of a lot of crocs out there. Oh, there were a ton, ton of crocs. That's funny. <laughs> it was, you know, it was pretty funny. There's no bank fishing there. I can tell you that. No one hangs out on the riverbanks, like pretty much period for the most part. Yeah, it's like imagine. you go to the dock and straight onto your boat and that is it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, when I went there a couple of years ago, um, I went with a couple of guys that were, that were from there and they took me like up in the hills and then catfishing or something. And I'm sitting there fishing and they kind of, <laughs> they kind of like went off on their own and I could see them, but they were still yelling distance, but it, they were far enough apart that if a crocodile came up, my ass was hosed. Right? Um, I saw like the biggest—I don't know what it was. It wasn't a—it wasn't a crocodile, <laughs> but it was some sort of fish that was huge, just probably four feet long, just Ooh. like cruise underneath the water in front of me. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. And it was just—it's creepy fishing there. Really yeah. creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was pretty interesting. You know, I went there and I uh, fished the salt, and instead of what most people invent, like imagine being out on the sand flats. I wasn't doing that. It was more mangroves. I was actually fishing the river systems that they oh, have there. So you were right in the croc. Yeah, I was like Crocs full and- on like in the croc zone. I was joking <laughs> with my guide there. I was like, we see a croc, I'm casting a fly at it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You follow, I follow uh, Barstool Sports or something like that. Oh, yeah. This guy yeah on there. Uh, it was this guy on there that... Uh, he must have seen way too many too many movies or something, but he took his T-shirt off and threw it on this this crock that was in a ditch by his house. <laughs> yeah. And he went to go. He's like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my T-shirt, you know, cover its eyes up, and then jump on its back and, and get it, you know." Yeah, like and, Steve Irwin. Style. Exactly yeah. like Steve Irwin. Well, 
he's getting he's watching too many movies that thing turned right around when he got <laughs> sure on his back did. and freaking grabbed him by the arm <laughs> yeah oh. shirt and was kind of messing with it like pulled on him a little bit but he i mean he was lucky oh man he he's so lucky, lucky. he is away. so lucky i would never mess idiot. around with that <laughs> <laughs> i felt uh, an iguana like two two feet and the thing was just all muscle and super strong so i can't even imagine <laughs> jump on the back of the crowd <laughs> So, I would love to so, see Chad jump on the back of an iguana. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I, I jumped on the back of a 200-pound tuna. Oh, all right. There we go. So the GTs, and is that what you, you were targeting? Yeah, that was a big one that I really wanted, and I was successful in that. They have basically baby GTs. Do they running. have the big GTs, or are they just You know, I don't know if there. they have the big ones or not. Yeah. I think that might be... A little bit more northern off of like kind of the tolls that are off of Madagascar. So it'd be the LTs, right? Yeah, I guess little, so. Little, little, tra- little Trevally. <laughs> they had a bunch of species of Trevally. So. Well, how, how big is a little Trevally? Well, like the baby ones that we were catching, they were like over, they were probably over 20 inches easily. I mean, they were still big enough. I mean, yeah. you know, I a mean, fish like they, that could, you, you saw your backing. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. It ripped. <laughs> Actually, it's pretty funny. The first one that I caught, I went to strip set and it ripped the line out of my hand so fast it burnt a line across my two uh, fingers. I mean, it just smoke. screamed out there. It was so unbelievable. Floating fly lines and, and like bite tippet or uh, intermediate, intermediate, intermediate. Uh, no bite tippet, um, but like, you know, 30 pound yeah. like mono. Right. You know, wow. I guess they're not big enough to where they could probably bite through it. Sure. Per se. I don't know. I looked in their mouth. They did have some wicked teeth in there. Though, I'll tell you that. I wasn't going to stick my finger in there to get the fly out. That's a bucket list thing I want to do for sure. Is oh, yeah. Go chase those GTs. And um, I guess it's the Christmas Islands area, right? Yeah, I think of, so. Yeah, I mean, that's they, a good one. I mean, I always see like the Alphonse, uh, that company, like the Cosmo, Cosmolita, yeah, yeah. like Atoll. <laughs> that one looks pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. We got to look that up. How cool it's would like, that be to just sail through all those atolls oh, over there and just fish your way around? It'd be the best. Kind of like surf and fish your way around all yeah. those atolls. It'd be freaking awesome. It'd be the best thing ever. Uh, the blue planet Earth. I think I've talked about it, but the planet Earth um, series where they show those GTs totally, eating, yeah. eating the birds <laughs> off the surface. Like, yeah, you're, that's you're, wild. <laughs> Wait, is that on Netflix? <laughs> yeah, might, yeah, I think so. Yeah, oh, I want to check that out. Oh, you should. I like, know about that one. It's a certain time of year that these birds are in this area, and the GTs know about it, and so they're literally like flying out of the water to eat these things midair. Yeah, take them off the surface. It's pretty impressive. I watched a uh, two hundred plus pound tuna crush the crush. top of the water going after flying fish. Oh, that's awesome. That's, that's sweet. Flying fish are fast. Too. Yeah, dude, you see them out there? They're oh good. yeah, man, it's crazy. But we're going to do another episode about that completely. So okay, I will say that we were fishing okay. with, with <laughs> we were fishing with eighty pound uh, braided braided line Straight. and a two hundred pound bite tippet. Wow, the and, stuff we used to peg beads with basically is what it looks. <laughs> dude, it, it looked almost identical. That was crazy. <laughs> so the the line that connected the braid to the bite tippet, or was that using that ring that you showed yeah, me that they was got bent out, straightened that out, bent yeah. out at one point? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. You're going barbless for that trip. Right? Oh, oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Eight weights, eight weights all around. <laughs> so Australia was awesome. Oh man, it was the best time. You know, cool. little GTs. They Australia has their own species of tarpon there too. It's the Indo Pacific species yeah, of tarpon. I didn't know Indo Pacific well, tarpon. I did hear about that, yeah. Yeah, and I was really, really hoping that I was going to catch one of those. Didn't Just line wrong, up. Wrong time of year. Yep. Um, Barramundi. 
uh, pretty cool kind of endemic species to that area. Kind of like a giant, like snook mixed with the bass. They're wild looking. They're Weird. vicious too. Yeah. Uh, estuary cod, queenfish, tons of stuff. It was wild. It was unbelievable. Like the amount of species that you could catch there. What, what would you say the best time of year is to go there if you're an, an angler? Oh, geez. Fish? <laughs> That's you a good it? question. Did you, you pin that down? No. Uh, I would probably say like right now, yeah. which is August. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably say right now they're like slaying out there right now, just catching these huge barramundi and huge queen fish. It, it looks awesome. Is it fall or not fall, but spring over there? It's like almost spring there yeah. right now. It's like starting to winter's almost done. Spring's on its way. Did you see any really shredded uh, kangaroos? I did. <laughs> Dude, I saw a bunch. They, they're doing the eight minute abs. <laughs> oh, definitely. For sure. <laughs> things are that always freakish. Yeah. It yeah. trips me out when you see how muscular they are. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. They mess you up. Yeah. Big time. Tons of tons of wallabies. That's what I saw more wallabies than I did kangaroo. If you don't know what a wallaby is, it's like a miniature kangaroo. Yeah. But it was sweet. My wife got to feed them. So she was all stoked on that. <laughs> it's. It was a great time. Australia is the best. I've Don't sleep on it. I've Go. Heard it's awesome. Yeah. I've heard it's really good. Especially, yeah, really I mean, cool. it's probably, oh man, it's got to be one of the most underrated, like, saltwater, like, places out there. You know, I never hear about anyone going to Australia it's to fish you're gonna saltwater. Get, it's because you're going to get eaten by a great white if hey, you go. Dude, will catch a great white <laughs> <laughs> next time. <laughs> so, uh, what got you into fly fishing, Lucas? How, where, where did it start? Where did this passion or sickness start at? <sighs> That's a good question. You know, I've always been just obsessed with the water and the animals that you can find under the water. And my obsession originally started, uh, in saltwater. And I actually started my career doing most, mostly marine research, mostly studying invertebrates, a bunch of worms. You wouldn't believe how many worms are in the ocean. It's a large biomass. Yeah. Though, huh? It's huge. It's unbelievable. There's a, uh, in Florida, they have that, the worm hatch. Oh yeah. That, Oh yeah, all the polychaetes come out. Yeah, June, yep. uh, May, June. I mean, that's where you want to be. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But mostly doing that, you know, and just obsessed with it. I was just relentless, you know, as a kid, and I can remember just reading book after book after book, just looking at the pictures, reading about these animals, and I mean, just obsessed with what was under the water and then fly fishing came into a way as like getting close as possible to the stuff that's under the water while you weren't working. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you know, it's like all I do seven days a week, pretty much. It's like, Oh, if I'm not seeing fish at work, I'm seeing fish in my free time. And it just never ended for me. Nice. So you went Marine, you were wanting to be in the Marine biology and then well, I mean, I, you know, I, it was awesome and, you know, I did it a bunch, but turns out there's really not a whole lot of jobs out there yeah. like for that sector. Yeah. And so after that, I got involved with a lot of bird stuff. So I did bird research for a while and then, uh, and then through that bird stuff, I eventually found my way to doing, uh, salmon surveys in Washington and that was insane. It was nuts. I mean, I studied all species of salmon pretty much, you know, mainly focusing on coho, chinook, and chum salmon. And then that was the best, actually, because it was right before my wife and I moved to Chico. And I remember because she, like, it was basically like a spur of the moment thing. We had this opportunity to move to Chico. And my wife is like, 
hey, I'm like moving to Chico. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I have like four months left on my contract. I can't move to Chico now. I was like, it's like halfway through the season. And she's like, oh, too bad. So sad. And just took off. <laughs> and I was like, all right. And so I moved in to the fish hatchery in Washington because we shared an office with them. It sounds awesome. Yeah, it was great. And I lived in a trailer in this garage and it had no heat or electricity and it was in the middle of winter in Washington. Holy smoke. And it was so unbelievably cold at night. I would like go to bed in like sweatpants, long johns, like sweatshirt, beanie and like my thermal like sleeping bag and I would just pray. I'm just like, oh my God, I hope I wake up tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) But the best part was it actually ended up being pretty sweet. I didn't mind it too much because every single day after work, I would go down and I'd swing for steelhead on the river right at the site. I was site. just going to ask you, awesome. yeah, what what would be your favorite type of fishing and fly fishing in Oregon? And you just kind of sounds like oh, you just definitely, answered. yeah, steelhead for sure. I mean, that's still probably my favorite fishing today. I mean, I am kind of addicted to the salt right now, kind of going through a salt phase. But I mean, steelhead will always have like this unbelievable hold on me. You know, especially just swinging the fly, everything about it, yeah. two handed rod. Yeah. I mean, it's just when you get one of those on the grab on the swing, it's it's just undescribable. It's the greatest thing, you know, that can ever happen to you. I really think it's the pinnacle of our sport, to be totally honest. For sure. I mean, I I just can't. I just can't get enough of it. Next to saltwater fishing. Yeah, totally. Definitely. (laughs) I have yet to do that. The swing? Yeah. Gotta do it. Tug is the drug. The tug is the drug. Tug is the drug. Fish of a thousand gas. <laughs> I, I guided a kid on uh, one of our local rivers here in California, and after like the twentieth steelhead, he was like, "I thought these were a fish of a thousand casts." You know? <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, yeah. Un- under a bobber, you know, yeah, <laughs> next to the hatchery." Yeah, it's exactly. A little, it's, it's a little, a little different. A little, <laughs> little different for sure. <laughs> Yeah, the, you could almost say that they're steelheading 365 days a year in Northern California, but Absolutely. It, it's not not as prevalent as like Oregon, right? No, it's not. And or I Washington. mean, Oregon or Washington for that matter, I would say that the steelhead here, with the exception of the coastal stuff, like the more inland, like what we have in Chico, they're really, really trouty mm-hmm. by the time they get up here. You know, it's yeah. like when I'm catching them on, you know, like size 20 micro maze, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, I would. I would imagine, you know, like I don't ever catch just like coastal steelhead on size 20 micro maze. You know what I mean? So by the time they get up here, they are really trouty, but you know, they still pull plenty good. So I I think it it adds to their pull, you know, having to travel that much further to normal steelhead. Yeah. You know, Uh, you have to go to Trinity or the Klamath to get into those old swing traditions, you know, definitely skate fish up. You don't have to, but that's, yeah. Typically what people do is definitely go track them down. But yeah. So where, what, what river did you like to do that on? Uh, the Deschutes for steelhead is always, yeah. I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> I have no idea. I think it's because that's the first place I ever caught a steelhead on the swing. So I just have this pull with it, even though it's not ne- technically like my home waters, which would be the Willamette or the McKenzie river. Okay. But it just the Deschutes always has like this hold on me you know you're in this canyon it's beautiful it's just miles and miles and miles of river and public access i mean it just it's unbelievable there you know and those fish are pretty grabby too which helps what's your uh you step to the water and you're gonna do a swing what's your go-to fly summer hobos bay for sure 100 percent 
Hobo Spay? Hobo Spay, yeah, definitely. Describe it. Uh, It's basically like just this clump of marabou. It's basically just marabou, black and purple, my go-to color combination for summer. Black and purple marabou with some Lady Amherst uh, coming off the sides and some uh, lateral scale flash, like the okay, yeah. pretty much the smallest size you can get not, of that. Not a lot of flash, just no, a little just, bit. Just that. It's, it's all it needs. And uh, the body is wrapped with a natural guinea feather mm-hmm. as well. Just kind of kind of like this it's almost kind of like a bugger on steroids almost is this a stinger setup or yeah it is it's on a stinger hook for sure but i mean so the hooks at the back end of the fly you have either either using a tube method or you you tie in like a wire yeah a piece of wire loop the like a an egg hook at the back end lonnie waller always claimed that it it increases landing ratio to like Like there's two hooks five percent there's two uh, hooks no, there's one. only one hook on it. So okay. you'll just have a shank and you'll tie the fly on the shank itself with no hook. And then as you are tying that fly, you'll also tie in either a piece of wire and you will just attach the hook at the end of that. So off the shank? Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. So you, and then you take nippers and You physically cut the, the hook, hook yep. that's on the shank? Yep. Yeah. You so can either physically what? cut it or now, I mean, there are so many companies that l- literally just make shanks and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Huh. Yeah. Is that what you guys do for meat market? Oh yeah. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yep. But, um, <laughs> I was curious though. You're, say, what, say your go-to fly again? Is a hobo spay. I, I just like the name of that. Yeah. It's, it's kinda, awesome. It's, it's yep. cool. <laughs> hobo spay in the summer. I mean, I love that fly. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's such a versatile fly. Um, it's funny. There's just like in like nymphs or dries or mayflies or caddis, there's all these flies that you can swing. Oh yeah. Chase steelhead or salmon. And they don't really look like anything. You're imitating shrimp or you're using color or maybe a leech, like your black and purple that you're talking about. Yep. It's crazy that all the different flies, like sometimes go into something simple, like what you just said, like the having marabou, which moves better. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I swear if you just wrap like a single marabou feather around a hook, you'll Mm -hmm. catch a steelhead on it for sure. I mean, the movement with marabou is unbelievable. Yeah. The guys in BC, we, we did a couple trips to the, up there in the terrace, you know, um, fishing the Skeena and, and all those, and they, they didn't even use those type of flies they would tie like um zonker strips and marabou but totally. on just like an egg hook yep not off the back no nope. just <laughs> standard you know yeah and, and the funny thing is they wouldn't cast you see guys just launching casts you know, across, <laughs> across the river yeah. but the fish are literally like yeah right, that's probably right by your feet yeah that's probably one of the biggest tips i could give anyone who's steelheading is like start close yeah start as close as you can because right. there literally will be times where there's steelhead seriously right at your feet mm-hmm. and you'll have no clue you know and it's so tempting with those two-handed rods i mean you can throw it to the other side of the bank and it's the most fun ever how do you how do you fish close if you've got a two-handed rod and you need a d-loop well that and that was one of my points is they they fish a lot of single-handed rods yeah. they over there they didn't so even have start with single and then if they're close and then switch to their double when they get out uh, no you would just have a double or a single but okay. um the double just allows you to cover more water yeah but you would start right. okay. close with you you know like just the roll cast just Bam, yeah just okay roll it out there yeah and, and i mean i only i only use a switch so when i'm out there you know i'll just have j- literally just the, like the head the shooting head of like my skadget head out which is like 13 feet and i'll just flick that out there and just swing it at first just you like know? way off the bank and just yep just like right off the bank just 
put it out, see who's there. You ever seen a uh, deck Hogan's book? Oh yeah. Yep. Awesome book. Oh, great book. Yeah. I, I, I have it here in my office. I'll, I'll, I'll have to name give it, it to you. Um, it's, it's like a, it, it's all about the life of like a steelhead. It's pretty cool. It like starts from like a fry. Yeah. And he, they, he kind of describes it as his hatchery buddy, you know, like his, <laughs> his buddies like swimming out to the ocean. Like one of them's kind of like off, doesn't look right. And his, you know, the, the fish yep. realizes that his fins clipped, you know, so he's is like, it, does it pop up? no no but uh, it's just it's cool good. it's just a cool book that does, it goes in, in very detail about how to swing for steelhead it's it's a really cool. good yeah book. deck hogan's a really good writer yeah we're trying to get him on the trying to get him on the show would be a good oh that would be awesome you guys get deck hogan yeah so swinging for coastal steelhead yeah just steelhead and yep just steelhead in general no you don't like to skate <laughs> i mean i do i do <laughs> like to skate and i've done it a couple times but now, you know, living in Chico, you know, if I have to drive like three plus hours to go chase like, you know, coastal steelhead or steelhead in Oregon, it's like there is no way on earth I'm tying on a skater. <laughs> do you uh, do you wear jean shorts when you skate? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My thrasher sweatshirt. <laughs> so you came down to you came down to Chico and uh, what, what do you do down here now? What do you what's your. Yeah, well, now that I moved to Chico, my main gig is working for Fish and Wildlife. I'm scientific scientific aid there, uh, mostly dealing with Spring Run Chinook on Butte Creek is the main portion of my job, and it's pretty unbelievable to do, be doing, oh, doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's truly to have that run of salmon here in Chico and in California in general is. A blessing, it's one really. Of the last spring run, it is salmon. In the, oh yeah, in the state. It's, yeah, it's one of only three in the state. Yeah, I think and they had a thousand fish come back last year. Yeah, it was nine hundred last year, so yep. it was like less than a thousand last year, and right. this year, uh, it's over slightly over two thousand. Oh, so, right there, have yeah. a count. Yeah, did you do that? Yep, I did it. What's <laughs> the what's the me- what's the methodology? Like, uh-huh. How do you do it? Yeah, so what we do is we split the creek up into really four sections for the most part um we're doing the pre-spawn survey right now so we're counting all the fish you know as they're still alive because if you don't know the salmon lifestyle the life cycle they spawn and then they die so to get an accurate (laughs) number you have to count them when they're all alive and so what we do is we go up to the very top of the canyon butte creek canyon and we snorkel down so we're in wetsuits we have snorkels, wetsuits, and wading boots, and we just swim down and we count the fish. Dry, dry suit or wetsuits? Wetsuits. Ooh, that water's cold. It's freezing. It's <laughs> absolutely freezing. And we do it all the way up until October, and it is damn oh, cold wow. in October. Wow. Yeah. So you just literally count one potato, two potato? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I... I that's pretty much the only way you can do it well, other than just river, like flying a drone down there, I guess. Feather River will go and cut heads off, right? And they do yes. a counting system like so, that. And we do do that, but that's kind of like with carcasses. So we're counting them when we're alive because these are an ESA listed fish. They don't want right. us to go around and just chop heads off before they get a chance to spawn. <laughs> right. So we're counting them when they're alive and, you know, we do it every week. So we'll do the top two sections. And then we'll do the bottom two sections every week. And so all those numbers get averaged and wow. we get a pretty good idea of how yeah. many fish are in there. Wow. And, you know, and then we find a carcass, right? Because salmon die and some don't make it to spawn. 
and that happens. That's just a part of yeah. being a salmon, you know, and it's part of natural selection. And so we have a whole process of what we do when we find a salmon. We take the fork length, which is measuring from head to tail. We'll take a tissue sample, which is usually cutting off a piece of the fin. And we'll take a scale sample, which is exactly what it sounds. We just take scales from the fish. And then the really fun part is we get to cut open the dead fish. We bust open their skulls and we take out their otoliths. The, yeah, to, yeah, for their, their ear bones. Yep, to right, age them. Exactly right. Yep, to age them. And What's you the can, scale used for then if you're not using it for age? The scales. That's a great question. I have no idea what they do with the they scales. They just say, get me scales. Yep, they just say, say, give me yes, scales. Sir. And I'm like, yep, I can do it. <laughs> I think it shows a, a little, a lot of like the the salt yeah you can right it, i think that, that's the, it it's like you can tell by the salt but you can really like it's pretty unbelievable the information they can get from those odorless i mean they can pretty much pinpoint to like where they are like in the ocean just by the minerals that they collect that are deposited in those odorless or toxins or yeah whatever totally might, what exactly might what might be in there it's yeah. pretty <laughs> you know it's such a forensic, random thing forensic science yeah that, that bone basically absorbs their any suspended stuff that's in the water yeah where they happen to be yep and exactly calcifies and they grow bone over the top of it or hundred percent okay so yep. you hold a black light up to my ear yep i, I don't want to <laughs> hold a black it, light anywhere near glow, you it glows from eating too many salmon on the yep. sack there you go <laughs> i'm worried about this tuna that i got like what that's going to be like i'll probably be dead in a year <laughs> a little radiation poison yeah a little mercury <laughs> yeah i can start a, i can start my own nuclear program there you go a little hiroshima goodness i like it <laughs> enriched tuna flesh perfect just need a centrifuge there you go that's a pretty cool program to be on because it again like you said it's just such a fragile run of fish oh it's, that's, that's it's still around you know yeah it's, it's unbelievable crazy. you know and to be you know the most genetically distinct population of spring run Chinook in the state too. It's pretty special to have that why opportunity. That? I, you know, honestly, I'm not sure why that is, but I mean, you know, one reason is there's zero hatchery fish. that come up there, you know, other than the fall run, but mm-hmm. like as far as spring run Chinook go, there are zero hatchery fish that are yeah. involved in Butte Creek at all, right. which is great. You know, keeping that genetic diversity is something that's super important to those fish's survival. Yeah. Cause I know other tribs to that, to the sack, you know, fishing game just oh, yeah. decided to dump in, you know, a yeah. couple hundred thousand feather river fish. One totally. Time, yep. You know, so yep, that's uh, interesting. Are they doing any, uh, fish passage projects on Butte Creek that you, you're aware of? Uh, well the main, the main, issue going on with Butte Creek or the main thing that's going to become really interesting is maybe a lot of people don't know that the water from a lot of water from Butte Creek is trucked in from the West branch of the feather. And there's, they basically bore a huge tunnel in the side of the like Canyon there and they bring water over from the West branch from Philbrook. Yep. From the, Philbrook to the yep. West branch. Yep. Exactly. Down the flume. Yep. Down the flume into the Creek, into the Creek, to run a powerhouse. Yep. That's not, worth that's, it yeah that's exactly for sale, that's right? for, that is yeah. currently for sale that may be decommissioned that could be decommissioned and but it's going to present issues if it is right for the fish 100 percent, it is you know i heard that the water is going to stay cool even though if even if it no that's no? definitely not true no, no i can tell you with 100 percent certainty that that's not the case so because that water is so cold it allows those fish to be more comfortable increases their survival what did they do before the they dug the channel they dug the canal they 
Oh, How man, did those fish survive? Yeah, that's a great question. Those fish are super resilient because we've seen them survive temperatures. 70 plus. Yeah, 70 plus, which all the literature tells us is, is impossible for those fish to survive. Right. So they are really resilient. And, you know, who knows if that gets decommissioned, maybe those fish will be OK and they'll have more passage and be able to go up. You know, cooler water. Maybe. Yeah. During high water events. That's the thing. A lot of people <laughs> kind of are like, well, they can go so far. You know, once that water to do it. Yeah. Once that dam goes out, but one, they need the water to do it. And then two, there's an absolutely massive natural barrier right below that dam. There's a huge waterfall. It's like 20 feet plus waterfall. Yeah. Quartz quartz bowl. That's That's exactly right. Yeah. And those fish can only get over that during high water events. So, I mean, I don't, historically those fish haven't always been able to get up above that dam. So, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, and, Honestly, I would say most dams are really, really detrimental to pretty much all aquatic lives, and I'm really not a huge supporter of them. Right. But for whatever reason, I think in this this case, this individual case is really helping these salmon out. So you got the headwaters. It's nice and cool. The fish swim up. They get out of the, the valley heat yep. and where the water is super warm. Yep. When you actually go down the creek and you it, it's healthy at the top and then you start getting oh, yeah. down, you realize how much water gets sucked out. Oh, man. It's for rice or oh, man. people it's, or whatever it is. So. It's unbelievable. Like once you get sort of past, you know, pro- like basically Highway 99, like yeah. once you get past that Highway 99 bridge, the river completely changes. Yeah. I mean, it's like a nine day switch. Like all of a sudden you just have an unbelievable amount of like pike minnow and suckers. You don't have nearly as much trout as you do in the headwaters, you know, and those salmon scream right up all that stuff. So right. they don't hang out on that stuff too long. Right. You know, you get, I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, you'll see smallmouth all of a sudden. You'll see all kinds of stuff. But one thing you don't see are salmonids for the most part. And there was a fish kill off earlier, or yeah, earlier this year in like spring. Yeah, there know, was. 70 fish died. Yeah, and I think it was. Salmon, right? Yeah, it yeah. was. It was, I believe it was spring run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, mainly because they got lost. And that's the other yeah. issue is there's so many different, uh, you know, spit offs totally. from farming or yep. whatever. And, I, I've heard biologists say that it's amazing that those fish can even find their oh, way to like, where they got to go because of how many different. Yeah, it's they crazy have that up. they can still like key in on their natal stream with like all the options they have to swim up and stuff. And I mean, it happens every year, like even natural stuff. Like every year, there will be spring run Chinook in Big Chico Creek, you know, and they basically get stopped at Salmon Hole for the most part. Yeah. Up in Upper Park. And. What those are fish are Butte Creek fish that just got lost on their way there. Uh, you think uh, there's any effort that's going to be done to fix that in the lower section of that creek? Oh man, is there talk about it or you no? Guys you know, honestly, I don't think I'm, there's really any talk about it whatsoever. Um, in order to fix it, I don't know. You, it would take a complete overhaul of like everything. I mean, right. there's so many variables involved, you know, and you know, switching up, you know, farming, cultural practices, stuff like that, in which they really have been doing a good job, like, you know, putting screens on pumps. So, mm-hmm. you know, smolts and stuff aren't being pumped into like rice fields and stuff like that, which is great. And I mean, they're doing a good job of adjusting with the times, but I mean, it, those fish have so many variables, like so right. many issues facing them. 
it, it just, it's not one thing. It's so many things. And whether we can accomplish that or not, I really have no idea. It's pretty cool that you do that. I, the last time I went and snorkeling and, and a salmon, I came across a salmon. It scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Uh, Big old un- teeth in your face. You know, you're just <laughs> swimming, looking down, you look up. and <laughs> It's unbelievable, like, how big those fish are when you're, like, snorkeling with, with them. them. Yeah. It's like, especially when you get pods of, like, 500 of them and stuff. It's like, oh, man. How long are you going to be doing that? project for you think i think it's going to be going on for as long as those fish are on the endangered species act for sure i mean there i would be shocked if california let these fish just go to the wayside for the Mm -hmm. most part it was super it's super protected as far as the fishery and the regulations oh absolutely it's probably slim but they're talking about opening it they used to be able to fish it I think in the eighties, I don't remember exactly oh, really? when, but guys, you were able to fish for for those salmon and really? there's talk about bringing that back, but I don't, oh, I don't, I don't think, think there's yeah, any sense. way. Yeah. There's no way. I, I mean, know. even with a run of 2000 fish, I mean, that's still below the average. I mean, the average is like 5,000, you right. know, and it's like, you know, having a bunch of people come in and pillage, you know, it's like, that is not going to be. Yeah, not to mention an ES pillage and ESA listed right. species. Yeah. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster. I don't think that will ever right. happen until those fish are off that list. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, it, are the ones that are being caught in the feather not the same type? No, no, they're, they are not. There are the spring the run in the feather, but there also are the fall run of yeah. salmon. So, okay. so, the ones that they're catching right now are fall run. Okay, so yeah, and they're not on the list. No, right. they're not. Right. Yeah, no. Not. Are there they're Chinook or no? Yeah, they yeah. are Chinook. Yeah. It's just this particular run is is endangered. Well, any of those? Yeah. Any of those salmon that basically go and come in in the spring and hold over for the summer in any of the trips or yeah, are yeah. protected. I think. Yep, they are. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, the spring run are protected. The winter run Chinook are also protected. In the winter run. Yeah. Right? Nice. Yep. That's why you can't fish Sundial for like three months. <laughs> on the lower sack i we just went up there for the for the opener and, and saw salmon spawning oh, i 100 you know, right believe right. it yeah, yeah. i'm just glad, right there i'm glad they did it yeah, yeah. it's a good thing oh it's yeah. awesome i think it's a great thing i just wish they would you know close it to motorized traffic too i mean because you can still just roll a jet ski up there you know a lot <laughs> just of jet skis up a lot there. of jet skis going yeah. over salmon reds you know yeah. so <laughs> i wish they'd close it to that too it's so like you can't yeah. tell me the drift boat's more disturbing than this jet ski. Like, or jet boat. Yeah, or I'm jet a, boat. I go up there in a jet boat, too. Totally. I only do it like once in yeah. a while. I'm yeah. not up there every day, you know? For but, sure. Um, it's like peeing in the pool at a public pool every, <laughs> every day yep. or just once a year. Yeah, exactly. Won't, they won't notice you if you're just doing it once a year, but if you go in there and unload every day. I have been noticing catching the... It, more and more since they've done that i'm catching a lot more of the small fry i've noticed that too like i mean especially this year i've been catching like a bunch of the signs yeah it's a good sign to what it's working and i think people need to be educated on that too totally the fact that when you catch a what looks like a trout that's only eight inches is actually a salmon and you can if you look closely you can really tell the bat. oh yeah for basically split tail yeah i mean honestly i look at the smolt so often i can tell instantly like as yeah, soon as i see it i'm like oh shouldn't smolt you find a bunch of different interesting things in traps don't you yeah we do we find let's all talk, kinds let's talk of about stuff oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. I, I think i met you possibly on <laughs> that's Bee right Creek that's, when you were clearing a trap that's out true yeah you did meet me for the first time i was yeah. what we have a rotary screw trap on Bee creek as well to monitor the juveniles coming down 
from the spring run spawn. So all the fish that hatch from the eggs come down and we count them and get an average of what that return is looking like. Uh, last year we only had 900 fish, but our juvenile return was phenomenal for that number. I think we had, we counted over a hundred thousand juveniles wow. like coming down, which is great. It's fantastic. Yeah. You know, for that run. Um, and so, yeah, so we set up the screw trap. If you've ever seen them on the river, they're like, uh, two pontoons, and like a giant cylinder that's really wide at the front end, tapers down really small. Looks like a cement the, mixer. Yeah, that's really exactly what it looks like. Kind of looks like a giant cement mixer in the water. And basically what that does is it funnels like juvenile fish into a trap box that's sealed. Um, so no predators or anything can get in there I and get eat in them. There. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Nick can get in there. Every, every time I get blitzed, I go there, grab a fish, and get a picture, <laughs> and post it Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I like getting on this. I know I'm supposed to, but I, I like seeing what I want to see what's in that thing. You oh, know? yeah. Tell us about what you find. It's, so, I have mean, you ever found human heads? I've never found a human head. Okay. I do find a lot of drug paraphernalia. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Needles? Uh, yeah, I've definitely found needles before. Uh, a lot of glowies, a lot of glowies, uh, a lot of garbage. <laughs> it's pretty unbelievable I how much. The number one thing I see on creeks like that are lighters yep. and flip flops. 100%. I catch so many flip flops. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but, and we do throw them away. We don't throw them back. Yeah. The creek. Well, Just I noticed when clarify. you walked in, your flip flops don't match. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I scored a, these got an flip flops. <laughs> <laughs> lampreys, right? That's what I want. To talk oh about. yeah, we do catch a lot of lampreys. Do you grab those so things gross. out of there? And yep, we yeah. have. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, we do have to grab those Dude, things out of there, and they are. They're terrible. They're the devil, I swear. <laughs> do you just throw them on the bank or do you? No, no. They're a wild native fish and we can't be throwing them up on the bank. I would, so. take, I would take them home and mess with my lady. That's oh, there I'm you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be good. But yeah, we catch a glass of water, you know, yep, and the suction dude, cups just sticking perfect. to the side. Oh, yep. man. Talk yeah, we, about lose it. Yeah, we yeah. catch a bunch of them in there and it's like, if you don't know what a lamprey is, it's like a really, really primitive prehistoric like fish. Yeah, it really does. Looks like an alien. Looks like an eel, almost. It's an elongated fish, and they have these just wicked mouths. They're like sucker mouths. They're lined with razor sharp teeth, and their tongue actually is like, razor sharp. Yeah, razor sharp. Whoa. Yeah, and their tongue is kind of like this piercing structure. Oh yeah, they're in Butte Creek. They're in the Sacramento. They're in pretty much every. I won't go way. in there without <laughs> waiters. I'm pretty sure that's where like that creature on Star Wars was. was <laughs> it's what it looks was like. Created from the, and in, the and tremors. Yeah, you know? like, I think that's yeah. what it's from. Is in like Empire Strikes Back, that. the asteroid scene. Yeah, definitely. One hundred percent. That's what it looks like. Uh, yeah, they'll latch on to you. Uh, fortunately, when they're in the rivers, they're not parasitic. When they're in the river system. Oh, really? You, no, they're not. They actually act like salmon when they're in the rivers they're just going there they're to going spawn, to spawn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when are they gonna eat you then when you're in the salt yep and the salt is when they normally attach Holy the fish shit. yep and that's good unless know. you live in the great lakes they like got introduced into the great lakes and people like they, people get like get sucked on by them oh. if you're swimming out in the great lakes they'll come and get you i guess as far as biomass goes what do you how many of those things do you think are out there there's a lot. There's a lot of them. I can say in I've California. I've never seen a sure. single one in any you know, of these rivers. You know, it's ever. unbelievable. Like you would never ever see one just like waiting around. 
maybe if you're lucky because they're just like clinging to rocks or under rocks for the most part. I mean, they're really like out of the way for the most part. Um, but there's a lot of them. There's actually some concern. There's two species, the river lamprey and the Pacific lamprey. And there's concern that the Pacific lamprey could be threatened and no one studies these things. I think actually this year on Butte Creek, we're taking like some tissue samples to try because, to figure out yeah, which to, species it is. Is that exactly like species mm-hmm. and like the genetics of them, the genetic diversity, stuff like that. Interesting. Um, no one really studies these things. It'll be interesting. You know, I think any fish that lives in a nadromous lifestyle where it's going from the salt to fresh water has a potential to be threatened today for sure. I talked to a biologist on the, on a trip and that's a local trip. And that's, he mentioned that that is one of the biggest biomass that we have in our valley river systems. Is lamprey? Is lamprey? And I started thinking about it. I'm like, (laughs) wow, is that that's crazy to think about. And he's like, well, imagine all these babies, right? There's a lot of babies that you don't really see. And that's why like a little black leech, you know, totally fished anywhere. It's just killer. Crushes. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's weird to think about. It is. It is. Are they in still water or just, just rivers? And I think they are kind of in still water, but not, maybe not like the species you're talking about. Yeah. Maybe not lamprey, maybe like actual leeches are in still water. I've seen leeches in still water. The only still water lamprey I know of are the ones that are in the great lakes. But I mean, those are so big. Those might as well be an ocean. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Dude, I've been subconsciously itching my left leg since we've been talking about lamprey <laughs> i just realized i got yep. so, so gross they have nightmare they have nightmare they have no problem latching on to you when you try oh, to pick man. them up i can tell really? you that just, um, it's you, like instantly bit before oh all the time happens multiple times every year wait bitten uh, i mean like sucked on like drawn blood yeah uh one time <laughs> one time hurt? no it didn't hurt at all actually and one time it pulled right off yeah, I, well, I mean, I freaked out pretty good. I kind of oh, played yeah. that one into the river. I'd probably pass out <laughs> I was, I was swinging my arm pretty down. good. That one freaked me out. I mean, <laughs> nothing. I mean, I'm not usually bothered by stuff like that, but having lamprey suck onto you is the most unsettling thing in the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Reminds you of, what is that, Rambo? That's what it makes me think about. <laughs> oh, yeah, when he's in the he's in the human feces pit. Yep, exactly. <laughs> he cuts him off with his knife. He's such a stud. Yep. <laughs> Um, and we had a, we talked about them in, with a biologist because it's a paras- parasite, right? Or yeah, I mean, parasitic yeah, technically. Yeah. Um, and how they, how they spawn that come up these rivers and will create, a you know, grab perfectly round little pebbles and create like a circle. Oh, really? And that's cool. That's, and that's what they use to, uh, uh, to had, lay their, lay their eggs. I right? had they make, no they idea. They make reds, right? Yeah. Much, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I've, I can honestly said that say they, I've never noticed a lamprey red before. Then they said that they would migrate like thousands of miles and go to this one spot in the ocean. Deep, those those are the, the ones that were in Europe on a certain lake. Mm. Oh, migrating okay. from mm. That Michael was talking about. Yeah, different. Yeah, that's the lamprey lamprey orgy episode. <laughs> awesome. I think we did say that too. Can't wait to tune in for that, that one. That was a fish bio episode. If you guys are interested, it's pretty good. I can't remember what episode. Just yeah. look in the archives and boom, boom. I'm pretty sure it was we were talking about parasites and yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Species. It was. I think it was that episode. Probably twenty something. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So. um that bring in flies, right? We're yep. imitating these leeches with black flies. Definitely. And, and uh, that's our next topic or you know, discussion here is <laughs> yeah. I, I co-founder had, yeah. of Meat Market, yeah. Flies. And you guys have tied some flies for me. Everyone has been good. <laughs> I will right. say firsthand. I'm happy to hear that. That's what we strive for. 
Tell us about Meat Market. Yeah, well, me. Great, great name, by the way. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, we thought of, thought of a name for a while. <laughs> it's a hard. good one. It is hard. It is hard, especially, um, you know, one that just specializes strictly in streamers, which is what we do. Um, but we started Meat Market Flies, which is a fly tying company. We started that on the first of this year. And I started that with uh, Kelsey Derrick, Jason Langstaff. Maybe you've seen him at. Fish, Fish first, first. Mm-hmm. and Kelsey's two sons, uh, Hunter and Mason, who are 13 and 16, and they're just young prodigies. I mean, they're wicked on the vice. It's pretty unbelievable how good they are at such a young age. I mean, I was nowhere even close to them. I bet at they can make age. some money going overseas and, te- and doing some lessons, you know, for <laughs> you like know? those tying the tying sweatshops, you know, just put yeah, in there definitely. I mean, that's basically what we do. <laughs> so it's just it's you guys all tying. Yep, it's all five of us. We're all tying. You know, it's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. It's actually American made. Yep, one hundred percent American made. Uh, you know, super high quality, like the highest quality materials that you can possibly buy. Um, you know, they're what not like hooks. Do you tie them? On? No, I'm just kidding. That's a big question. <laughs> are they daich? No, they're not. Some... <laughs> we actually we pretty much exclusively use A-Rex hooks. Okay, uh, from Denmark. In my opinion, I think those are by far the best streamer hooks on the market. The quality is unbelievable. They're wicked sharp. Are they they're chemically. Yep, they're chemically sharpened and they're stout i mean they got to figure it out they're crazy strong i love them we do a lot of a-rex i would say primarily a-rex and then gamakatsu is the other one you know just because you know like for striper stuff they're the guys who have the big six aught you know striper hooks yeah exactly stuff like that you know and the b10s stinger hook um you know that was a staple forever in streamer fly tying, you know, the B10S stinger for bass and trout until pretty much A-Rex came along and kind of changed the game. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, cost wise, is it like above a TM? Is it below Tempco or above a Tempco or like, how would you, uh, I would say cost wise, it's above a Tempco. Okay. They're expensive hooks. Yeah. I mean, they're not cheap. And right. They're extremely, extremely high quality. They're definitely yeah. above a Tempco. I think for like A-Rex's Trout Predator hook, which is like their main trout streamer and their largest size, I think it's like, it's like $10 for eight hooks. So are you guys just streamers or yep. do you do other flies? We are just streamers and, you know, and I mean streamers sort of like loosely defined you know yeah. whether like what's a streamer what isn't i mean we do intruders. everything yeah we do tons of steelhead stuff we do intruders we do trout space stuff we'll do bass stuff we'll do you know super micro like size 12 you know leeches in my opinion i'd say that's a streamer yeah you know so 100 yeah, percent. yeah i mean we'll do we'll do it all from anything from like size 12s all the way up to like six aught like pike and musky stuff and, and custom stuff too yeah 100 yeah. we do custom stuff we tied up some sick bluegill poppers for chad and they were very effective <laughs> yeah. jason killed them good job jay do you uh do you can you fill those custom out orders out online or do you call it in uh like, you know what's for the, a, what, your website so that so our website we'll is you a couple times yeah our website is meatmarketflies.com and our instagram is meatmarketflies um 
But usually with the custom stuff, like if there's something on our website that's not being offered or you have an idea for something or maybe you like this one fly and you want to quirk it like a little bit. Exactly. That stuff happens all the time. All you have to do is just reach out to us, either send us an email through the website or reach out to us. Just send us a direct message through Instagram is usually how we do most of our customers. People just message us on Instagram. They're like, hey, I like this fly, but will you add a red bead instead of a black bead or whatever? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, no problem. How many you want? <laughs> what, what's the most, um, I would say, like extreme or exotic custom fly Ooh. you've had to tie so far? The most extreme or exotic custom fly. I mean, those bluegill poppers were pretty exotic for sure. Yeah. I mean, those were pretty good. We did a like a whole saltwater box for Chris Kennedy and Chelsea, uh, Cherokee Fly Girl, when they went to Baja. So oh, cool. we did a bunch of saltwater stuff for them, and I think they had a lot of success there before they got sick. <laughs> oh, they got sick yeah, on that trip? They, they got yeah. sick on that trip. Did they get, like, oh, no. food poisoning or something? I don't know what happened. I was joking with oh, them. Uh, I was like, oh, <laughs> dude, you know you're not supposed to drink the water there, right? <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like they did have, trying to catch a permit on the fly is one of the most frustrating things I think. I can only imagine. Can, can do, you know, I want to try that life. so bad. Super tough. And, and, and they, I think she got one the first first go around and they got they had a bigger one that they landed but yeah i think chris landed a pretty decent sized one while he was there yeah i'm not mistaken but that's awesome yeah so we did stuff for them and i mean what about little corsages like for weddings actually i just did that not that long ago actually (laughs) i was the i was the best man in my cousin's wedding and i tied little fly boutonnieres did you yeah for him yeah nice yeah a little like were they barbless they were actually barbless. Yeah, they have like a little ball over the hook so you can't get stabbed. It's something specific you can go buy and then tie, yeah. tie on, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think Hairline makes it. It's like the fly brooch or something like that is like what it's called. But yeah, I tied like some classic like Atlantic salmon style flies for that I, wedding. I never see that advertised. I think that would be a good addition to your... Uh, I know you're just streaming. You know, but, I was yeah. actually... I was actually, after I did that, I was thinking about, I was like, oh man, that'd be a great idea. People get married. Yeah, totally. And then I called Hairline and I was like, hey, can I buy some more of these? And they're like, we discontinued those. So I'm like, oh great. So I guess that's like not really an option unless you actually want to like stab a fly through your... So if you're going to tie your first fly, your first streamer, I should say, Yep. um, what do you guys recommend for your first streamer? What's the... Wooly bugger. 100%. Wooly bugger. Wooly bugger. If you're like. What if you're in NorCal? Black? Black and olive. I mean. Black and olive. If you tie like a black or an olive wooly bugger, I guarantee you will catch fish anywhere. Yep. Absolutely anywhere. It's almost cheating with those two flies. The first fly when we would teach fly tying classes. It usually is. The first fly that we would teach. Yeah. Is a wooly bugger. Go to a nymph and then go to a dry fly. First fly I ever tied was a zebra midge. That's what I started out with. yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Pretty simple. <laughs> mine was a stone. My, mine was a rubber-legged stonefly. Oh, okay. Look but, at you. But you're right about the the woolly booger. I mean, in different sizes and those olive and black colors, you're imitating almost any any bait totally. fish. It can that, be or even to a dragonfly. Yeah. Right? I mean, it could be a damsel nymph. I mean, it can mm. be like anything. Yep. Really. I mean, that's the I way mean, you fish it is what's going to determine. Totally. You know, totally. I mean, and you how can, you make it look, of yeah. course. But I mean, you can swing you say, them. Yeah, when you say the way you fish them, you're talking specifically about the retrieve on it, right? Yeah, like a bait totally. fish might, you know, a stunned bait fish might be jerking or yeah, know, exactly. here, 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 yep. stop, yeah. pause, you know, or like a 
you can strip them fast. You yeah, know? I mean, definitely. So like then you can just kind of get get a little more detailed as you go. Maybe put eyes, dumbbell eyes on it. It's totally one hundred percent. I mean, if you throw dumbbell eyes on them and tie it in black and put it like a pink head on it, that's like starlight leech. Yep. You know, which is probably one of the most successful steelhead and salmon flies of all time. It's always funny. I, I'm tying on lead weight on like the, mm-hmm. on the shank. You know, and you can literally, like, if you have it in the middle, you've got a, a streamer that's going to basically swim straight. Right. Yep. You could slide it to the front of the yep. the, the hook shank and then get that thing to, It'll you know, undulate. Yep. 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 100%. So I mean, it's, yeah, you can do a million different things. Totally. But, um, yeah, street uh, woolly bugger. I would agree. Yeah, yeah first five. Yeah. Yep, woolly buggers are great. You know, like other like effective beginner style patterns, like a semi seal leech, which is just a leech that's just composed of a dubbing loop of semi seal dubbing from Arizona. That's a super. Do you guys effective. tie those for meat market? You know, we don't. Yeah. Uh, just because you pretty much just buy those anywhere right. for the most part. Right. Um, what about but, a bunny leech? Yeah, great, totally easy. I, mean, I love that. I love easy. tying that fly. It's super easy and it's super easy. Probably, fish. yeah, probably one of the most successful still water patterns of all time. Mm-hmm. Is just like I'm. Most of the old timers I know still use are just like oh, black bunny leech. <laughs> where uh, where are you sending these flies? What's the furthest destination? That's a good one. I mean, we've sent a couple to Eastern Canada. We've done a couple orders with Eastern Canada. Mostly West Coast or Rockies area. You know, I've been really shocked. We do so much business with the East Coast. It's insane for huh. the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we sell so many flies to Pennsylvania. I don't know what those guys are doing in Pennsylvania, but we sell a ton to them. You know, a lot of trout stuff and a lot of pike and musky stuff goes to Pennsylvania. Huh. We do, I mean... I think we've almost hit every single state other than Hawaii That's for flies at this point. I mean, we really send them all over. It's pretty unbelievable. You have arthritis in your hands. It's getting there. It's yet. getting there. I'll tell you what, I, you know, I pretty much have like the worst posture ever already. Like I slouch and I especially slouch when I'm tying flies and it just like wrecks my back after like so hours. T- what do you do to combat that? I try to sit straight up. I <laughs> just try to be conscious of it. Do you tie? So another thing about you're tying so many flies. Sorry to interrupt, Chad. You're tying so many flies. Um, you do it in an assembly mode. So that's like, actually you know, what exactly what I was going to so ask. Do you, so you, totally. tie, you put the weight on all these hooks and then yep. you come back and then put the tail on or not like that, but I mean, that's an yeah, example. Yeah, right? totally. I mean, it basically is like that. Like for like, let's say I'm tying like an intruder. It's like, okay, I'm going to tie on all the dumbbell eyes. Mm-hmm. So I tie on all the dumbbell eyes. And then I'm like, all right, now I'm going to tie on the wire. So I tie on all the wire, you know, to attach that stinger hook. And I would say that's the most efficient way to tie tie production style flies Mm -hmm. is to do it in that assembly style. You get a lot more cranked out like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the other nice thing about meat market flies is we don't force people to buy like a dozen at a time, which a lot of custom tires normally yeah, do. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. We'll let you buy singles or whatever. So a lot of times we'll just get like singles, you know, and stuff like that. It'd just be a random, like a whole, like 10 different flies, you know, and they're all different. So you just finish a fly from start to finish, move on to the next one, which is really nice. It breaks up the monotony a lot. We yeah. really like that feature. Oh, uh, well, that's what was going to be my next question. Do you, you know, switch back and forth? between those different patterns right definitely yeah it's kind of 
keep you from getting a little crazy. Yeah, totally. Crazy. I mean, we all have our sort of our signature patterns at this point. You, between all you, uh, the tires? Yeah, yeah, all of our tires on our website. If you look under the section that's just tire, titled Signature Series, mm-hmm. those are all our most successful patterns that we've developed over the years of fishing. <laughs> and, you know, we just, you know, pretty much I would say those are the most common flies to get ordered are the ones out of that signature series for sure. And I mean, there's a reason for that. They slay for sure. What's your, uh, what vice do you like tying on? Regal. 100%. All, all, all of you guys tie on a Regal? No. Vice? Kelsey likes Renzetti. Uh, no Dyna Kings in there, huh? Oh, did Jason just buy a Dyna King? Did I think he, he did. did he? I've got a Dyna King, right? Do you? I don't know. I think yours is a Regal. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I'm looking yeah. right at it. I don't know. I think <laughs> Jason just need, bought this need, crazy vice. I mean, I think he spent a fortune on it. But true it, thing rotary. Is, true, yeah, true. true rotary. I mean, the thing is sweet. It is so cool. I think it's a Dyna King. Mm-hmm. Uh, but personally, I like Regal. I honestly, I don't ever, I never use the rotary feature. I just wrap everything by hand. Yeah. So I just use the Regal medallion and i love it it's sweet especially for tying like steelhead flies like on shanks Mm -hmm. like having those jaws that are lateral or horizontal versus angled angled holds those shanks so much better really yeah Mm. that is interesting or probably easier to find that grab yeah it's so much easier to find that grab it holds them way better Shout out to Regal. Give me a sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been tying on Dynaking my whole life, and I, I think I've replaced the Jaws once. Oh, yeah, in, I'm sure. Twenty, I'm sure. Those Dynaking prices are sweet. You know, um, and, and what's neat, you can turn them. You know, I think I ended up oh, yeah. turning mine upside down. Know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, but, um, They're awesome. I love them. You know, Renzetti, great. I mean, I would pretty much stick with those three for sure. If you're looking to buy advice, the best advice I can give you is buy the nicest vice you can afford. Yeah, you, the nicest vice that you can afford because right. the worst thing ever is buying a crappy vice and spending money on that and then buying a newer better vice. Yeah. You know, because I mean, all vices essentially do the same thing. I mean, well they all do the same thing, but you know, it's kind of like, well, would you rather drive a crappy Honda Civic or would you rather drive a Ferrari? So just buy the nicest one that you can afford. So you don't have to replace it with all you guys tying this much. What, um, what tools or like, you know, different, you have, you know, different mm, yeah, scissors and totally. tweezers and all kinds of crap. Oh, that you can God, get for flight have, time. But yeah. Are there some things that stand out to you that are a must to have that, yeah. that you like? Well, I mean, a bobbin <laughs> bobbin's a must for right. tying flies. Right. <laughs> Gotta hold the thread. So do you like the loon bobbins? I do. I love the loon bobbins. Yeah. I really do. I think Kelly's knocked it out of the park with that one. Nice. Yeah. I really like it. Um, that's the bobbin that I use primarily. I mean, I still have the first bobbin I ever bought was like with the plastic flute. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a piece of crap. I still have it, <laughs> but I mean, I just usually have it loaded with some fluorescent thread that I can just do a hotspot real quick with. I hardly ever use it. I pretty much only use those, uh, loon, uh, the loon bobbins. And then you definitely want a couple good pairs of scissors. Do not skimp on your scissors is probably a great piece of advice I like agree with that and don't cut your wire with your do scissors. not cut your wire with <laughs> no, your scissors <laughs> I, know. I put it way to the back of the scissors that's what, i mean that might be okay yeah but. and i mean honestly <laughs> i do too but i have a completely like i have a two dollar pair that's just designated for cutting wire yeah you know so yeah. it's like i don't do anything with it except like clip off like a dubbing brush every now and then with do it you buy your wire in big spools 
I don't. I actually didn't know that was possible until I saw yours. <laughs> I'm going to have to. <laughs> Chad will find I'll, it. I'll tell you where to get it. He'll yeah. find it. Give me it. the hookup. <laughs> I don't want to tell everybody on the air because then they won't have any more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to maybe roll into wherever you got that and uh, yeah. <laughs> ask well, around. Well, we're going to be sharing a little more secrets here pretty soon. We're going to do a um, basically a class together, right? Yeah, we're, we're doing coast, a co- yeah, co-branded fly co- tying co- event. Co-branded fly tying, right? Yeah. Meat markets and barbless. Yep, that sounds one hundred percent. We're gonna flies. shoot. We're gonna uh, have some people bring their vices in. So if you yeah. guys are interested, uh, reach out to either Nick or I or, or Lucas and on uh, Insta, just direct messages or if you want to be here. You, you do have to kind of be uh, on site. We're gonna do a kind of a a live stream kind of a thing, we'll but video we're gonna it. record it also yep. um, uh, for for YouTube. But um, it, just be local and and uh, we'll get you in. Yeah. I think we can probably squeeze in probably, I don't know, 10, 15 people. Sure. I'm thinking. We'll make it happen. Are we going to do it here in the office? Yeah. 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 Sweet. Come yeah. on down. We'll tie, some, we'll tie some bass yeah. flies and then go Beers. fish. Totally. Totally. Yeah, we should. Right. That'd be awesome. That'd be so fun. <laughs> uh, that's an actual great idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Should. Just mob the lake for, for mm-hmm. like 20 minutes. Yeah. Before Definitely. the cops come, we'll yep. get the security guards all fired up. Yeah, <laughs> where's your pass? <laughs> well, somebody will, they'll they'll pull their gun out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's fun. Let's get that. Let's get that set up. It'll be a good time. Well, thanks, man, for for coming in and yeah, sitting with us and telling us your some stories. It's totally. Always- Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for ha- thank you for having me, guys. It your, was a blast. Your flies are sure. killer. Anybody listening, go check out meatmarkets.com. Meatmarketflies, sorry, yep. dot com. Meatmarketflies.com or get at us uh, at meatmarketflies on Instagram. And if you're interested in my personal life, because it is just so exciting, you can get at me at Lucas Farenberg on Insta. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was Jean sexy. shorts in Jean most of his shots. I mean, I'm just saying legs for days, guys. Legs for days. <laughs> well, uh, one girls. thing that I noticed today, I checked our stats. We hit 50,000 downloads. That's wow, awesome. congratulations, yes. guys. Yeah. I saw we were close to that. That's Holy cool. Holy crap. Yeah, we just cracked it this morning, actually. Wow. That's awesome. So, And also, uh, we're working diligently on this app that we keep talking about um it's getting close it's getting close for a closed beta um if anyone's interested and wants to join that beta we're getting the list is getting pretty long i think we're close to 100 people signed up for beta cool um you guys haven't heard from us yet but we do promise send an email out once it's ready we're being very uh particular about you know just dotting the i's crossing the t's did i say that right yeah i did um, if you want to get on the beta, go to the website, podcast.barbless.co. Go to the bottom. There's a beta sign-up link there. Put your email in. Shoot it out. Boom, boom. Um, last thing, rate us. Rate us on uh, Google Play and the uh, Apple iTunes uh, podcast store thing. <laughs> butchered that. Are you guys on Shopify? Uh, or Spotify? Spotify. Yeah. We are on Spotify. Yeah. Oh, are you? And we're Ooh. almost on. we're almost on Alexa also. Okay, been, we've been in queue for like six months. It's just taken a while awesome. to build the I deleted, build that app out. I deleted the freaking podcast app because it was taking up so much room on my phone. I didn't have any room. It but just kept downloading app. Yeah, just downloading, downloading, episodes. downloading. Yeah, uh, but You can change that. Spotify, I use all the time. So cool. love that you guys are on Spotify. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks for the plug, man. And thanks for coming in. Thanks Appreciate for listening. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for the plug. All right. All right. Tight music. lines, everybody. This podcast would not be possible without support from our sponsors, Fish Bio and Amped Up Build.
FishBio is a consulting firm that offers a fresh approach to fishery science. They specialize in fish research, monitoring, and conservation with innovative uses of technology and communication. From their offices in Chico, Oakdale, and Santa Cruz, California, to Vienchen, Laos, FishBio is committed to solving natural resource challenges locally and globally. Learn more at www.fishbio.com. And AMP.Build. AMP is a software design and engineering shop located in Chico, California. AMP creates beautiful apps for mobile and desktop devices, wearables, and the Internet of Things. AMP develops native, web, and hybrid apps on a variety of platforms. Chad, who co-hosts this podcast, is the agency's founder. Learn more at www.amp.build.